What's up, guys? Welcome to another episode of In the Nick of Time on the Spotify for Podcasters app in connection with reprogramming your thinking where you can find some of my videos on Instagram that I post sometimes. Got to do better with that. But let's get right into it. First of all, I don't have a PhD. I am not a licensed counselor. I am not a preacher. So you probably say, Nikki, why does anybody need to hear or listen to anything that you have to say? Well, I obey God's word, to put it simply. And on this podcast, in the nick of time, you can say in the nick of time or right on time, but on this podcast, God will shine. So... If you are listening, that means you want to grow with me and you love honesty. So on this podcast, my theme is church is not the answer. So you probably say, Nikki, you're talking about God. You're giving God all this praise and glory. Do you go to church? Why do you say church is not the answer? Well, let me explain. If you go to worship service for your own selfish benefits then church is not the answer because you go to church you go to worship service to meet God so I'm not a holy roller trying to convert you because if you don't become a Christian or if you're not converted after listening to this podcast That's not on me. The one thing I want you to do is to learn to trust and believe in God so that you can save, can help save your soul. Because your soul is at stake. All of our souls are at stake. So, in today's episode, we'll get into a couple of topics. But I want to say, have you ever felt like Every time you turn around, it's something. Like, no matter what you do, life is always throwing you a curveball. Do you ever wonder why or start to look for someone to blame? There are some who say, if God is so loving, why am I going through this? Why is it one trial after the other? (laughs) Why do I have so much bad luck? And uh, I've been looking at the book of Job. And I want to give some context to what I'm talking about. (coughs) So let's look at chapter one of Job. And and what I want to do is start at verse number 18 and just give you... Uh, a few things to look at when it comes to the trials that Job faced. Uh, Let me get there. Okay. It said, Now there was a day when his sons and daughters were eating and drinking wine in their oldest brother's house, and a messenger came to Job and said, The oxen were plowing and the donkeys feeding beside them. When the Sabians raided them and took them away. 
Indeed, they have killed the servants with the edge of the sword, and I alone have escaped to tell you. While he was still speaking, another also came and said, The fire of God fell from heaven and burned up the sheep and the servants and consumed them, and I alone have escaped to tell you. While he was still speaking, another also came and said, The Chaldeans formed three bands, raided the camels, and took them away. Yes, and killed the servants with the edge of the sword, and I alone have escaped to tell you. While he was still speaking, another also came and said, Your sons and your daughters were eating and drinking wine in their oldest brother's house, and suddenly a great wind came from across the wilderness, struck the four corners of the house, and it fell on the young people, and they are dead. And I alone have escaped to tell you. Then Job arose, tore his robe, and shaved his head, and he fell to the ground and worshipped. And he said, Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked shall I return there. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And all this Job did not sin, nor charge God with wrong. Now, <laughs> I read that fast due to time constraints. I just, but just... You had to take a breath because it was one thing after the other. Now, one trial is, is to us, one trial is bad enough. Then you got to think about how long do you think a trial should last before you face another trial? I mean, these trials were coming like back to back. And, and, and it's, and it's, a question that we ask, that's the first topic I want to hit on. One trial is bad enough. And how long do you think a trial should last before you face another trial? Think about a court trial. Sometimes they last years. But I'm saying Job was hitting. It was one trial after the other. I'm talking about one trial after the other. And then you 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 you're like, how did he at the at the end of that that chapter, how did he come to the conclusion that and how did he have that faith and that trust in God to just say, hey, you know, naked I came into this world and naked I'm gonna leave. The Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. I mean, because we face one trial and we're complaining. And when we when we keep on facing trials, it's human nature to want to know, you know, why? You know why? And I heard this guy on one video, and he was and and um, the woman was asking him about questioning God, and he said, you know, you don't need to ask why. You need to ask who hurt you and who helped you. And I thought that was amazing that uh, he said that. Because when we ask why, you know, we want to ask God why. But God don't owe us anything. Because uh, the reason why we ask why is because we think we're good enough. Or we think we do enough to be deserving of the good that God has for us. Well, God doesn't owe us anything. Prove it, Nikki. I love that you want proof. Well, I'm going to give it to you. 
Because in Romans chapter 9, verse 15, it says, For he says to Moses, I will have mercy on whomever. I will have mercy and I will have compassion on whomever. I will have compassion. So when we're looking around and we're assuming I'm doing so much that nobody, uh, that I don't deserve any uh, trials to come my way because I'm doing so good. I do everything right. I'm perfect. And nobody is perfect. And then we look at our next door neighbor and we're, we're, we're looking at how they choose to live their lives. And it seems as if they're happier than we are. And we're Christians and we worship God and we read our Bible and we pay our tithes. That is not a guarantee for your life to be the way you want it to be. It's, it's, it doesn't guarantee your life being easy because God does not intend for our life to be easy. I hate to break it to you. He doesn't intend for our life to be easy. He wants us to be uncomfortable because once we get comfortable, we don't move. We don't, we don't, our faith doesn't grow because we don't feel the need to get stronger, to keep growing, to get to keep getting better. So we don't he doesn't want us to get comfortable. He didn't take the children of Israel out of Egypt so they can live this comfortable easy life. He wanted he wants us to be uncomfortable so that we can stay strong and stay vigilant and stay aware of what's going on and, and, and continuing in prayer and connection with him. Because if you get comfortable and everything's going your way, you know, God then starts to get put on the back burner by most of us. And that's just, you know, if we're honest with ourselves, we can admit we put him uh, on the back burner. And if you're looking at Job and you notice out of all the trials, the depth of his children caused him to rise and fall to his knees. <clears throat> because if you go back to the beginning of the chapter, you know, it talks about how he sanctified his kids. But that just goes to show you we are individuals. And we have to, we have to work out our own salvation with fear and trembling. I mean, you can pray for your kids. You're supposed to pray for your kids. You're supposed to pray with your kids. But that doesn't guarantee safety on this earth. You just continue in prayer. And they also have to work out their own salvation. Now, why did he take his kids away? Was that to, 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 to really see? Because the devil was accusing him of being so faithful to God because everything was perfect. Now, if Job lost those material things, would he have uh, broken down and really worshiped like he did? Because when 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 the first what three trials came, where he lost all of his uh, his live his his livestock, his sheep, his camp. When he lost all of that, the material things, 
it didn't seem to budge him. It didn't seem to make him move. It didn't move him. But when they came, when that last one came and said, your children have been taken away. Then he broke down. Then he gave glory to God. Now that's something that I didn't really get into, but it's just something to think about. You know, when you when you look at it, we have to understand that God doesn't owe us anything. He does not. He does not. But he he knows us inside and out. Which brings me to my second point. God knows us so well that he knows who can handle what. He knows us so well that he knows who can handle what. He's not he's not he's not oblivious to what you can handle. He's and he's not he's not going to put more on you than you can bear. He's not going to tempt you to the point where he pushes you away from him. Now how do you know that, Nikki? Because it says the Lord you have, oh Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know my sitting down and my rising up. You understand my thoughts are far off. You comprehend my path in my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. For there is not a word on my tongue. But behold, oh Lord, you know it all together. You have hedged me behind and before. And laid your hands upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot obtain it. Now that was one that was Psalms 139, 1 through 7. Now let's go to 139 and let's drop down to verse 14. I will praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works, and that my soul knows very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret and skillfully wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. Your eyes saw my substance being yet in unformed and in your book. They are they all were written the days fashioned for me when as yet there were none of them. So he knows us. He knows what we can handle. He knows how much we can take. You know why he did that to Job? Because he told the, he told Satan, hey, have you noticed my servant Job? He stamped, he gave his stamp of approval. So he knew, he knew Job's heart. And that's something we got to understand. Job, God knows our heart. So when we get down on our knees and we're praying and we're going through life and we're doing what we think, is right. What seems right to us, what seems like it should be good enough for God, he knows what you can handle. Now, I've talked about this before. When I broke my leg, I never thought that, you know, I was really that down in the dumps, but I was. You know, because being on one leg is just, that's the craziest thing. But in that time, I learned that 
You can't take anything for granted. But God knows me well enough. He knew that I would push through that. Now, I don't know how I will handle other trials because, because I don't do everything right. I, I feel like sometimes I, I, I am on that path of going through the motions, but I know God knows my heart. So my work is never done. When I wake up in the morning, I got to be a better person. I got to work on myself. I got to get stronger in my connection with God because he knows me. And when everything is going right, we are typically in our flesh, in our human nature, we are typically like feeling good. We're blessed. Everything is all good. Nothing can hurt us. Nothing can put a frown on our face. But the minute a trial strikes, then we we can see what we're made of. My leg being shattered like that, I, I, I experienced some things I've never experienced before. And I, I experienced thoughts because I, bad thoughts, because I was like, I probably will never walk again. And with those things running through my mind, I had to connect to God. I had to connect to God even more because I didn't think I could handle it. But did I handle it well to a certain extent? But it's so good that he knows us and that he's not going to put more on us than we can bear. It's so good that he knows us. So we we got to get to know him. To understand that we can never do enough to 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 please him like that, where we think nothing should happen in our life. Every day is an opportunity. Every day is an opportunity. Because life is something else. I mean, we gotta be honest about that. Life is going to do some things, uh, and throw some curveballs at you and you you gotta be strong your time alone with yourself when you're in that closet he tells you to go into you're getting stronger because remember in Matthews 4:11, when he took Jesus into the wilderness that's what allowed him to be strong for what was coming because we don't know the day or the hour that God is gonna call us home but we gotta be strong we got to be ready. We got This is preparation, guys. Life is about lessons and preparation. So, this what this brings me to my next point. What do you do when life seems as if it is trying to knock you down for the count? Well, what did Isaiah the prophet say about that? Let's look at that. Let's look at what Isaiah the prophet said. <laughs> In Isaiah 41, 10 and 11, it says, Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Behold, all those who were incensed against you 
shall be ashamed and disgraced. They shall be as nothing, and those who strive with you shall perish. So, when life is just trying to knock you down, you know, think about a boxer. If, if, if any of my listeners are boxing fans, think about when a boxer gets knocked down or he, and he or she uh, takes the eight count. The rep asks if they want to continue. If they say yes, they are allowed to continue fighting. So you got to say yes to God. You got to say yes to God and no to the futility of the world and how they decide to live their life. You got to say no. You got to say no. And they're going to try to knock you down. They're going to swing. And they're going to throw some thudding blows. And they're going to hurt you. But, you, but when, when, when God says, do you want to continue? You say yes to God. But it's how you want to continue. Do you want to continue in my way? Or do you want to continue doing things their way? Because they're going to keep knocking you down. Though they're going to act like they like you. They're going to act like they love you. As long as you talking and moving and doing the things that they want you to do. But as soon as you do something they don't like, they're going to throw that blow. They're going to throw that blow. And it may knock you down. But when, then when God steps in and gives that count, when you get up and he helps you up and he asks you, do you want to continue fighting? <clears throat> but which fight do you want to fight? You want to fight the good fight or this, this fleeting fight where you just trying to uh, contend with this world? Fight the good fight where you're contending and you're preparing yourself to hear, well done, thy good and faithful servant. That brings me to my final point, blaming God. If you look at Job, what did Job say? After all he had been through, that was, that's, that's, this is the strangest thing to say. Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked shall I return there. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. When you're going through something, do you say that? Do I say that? I mean, that is a wow factor. Do I say, blessed be the name of the Lord? That is... A deep faith. That is knowing God. That is knowing that everything is not going to go your way. It's not. Everything is not going to go your way. And you can't try to find somebody to blame. Because remember when you were little and some an adult told you, quit pointing. They told you not to point because three are pointing back at you. Three are pointing back at you. So that, so numbers lie. I mean, numbers don't lie. And majority rules. So if three pointing back at you, that means when you're pointing the finger, your one finger at somebody else, three are pointing back at you because most of the blame goes on you. That's why three fingers are pointing back at you. That's why adults always told children, don't point. 
don't point. Because if you point at somebody else, three point, three fingers are pointing back at you. And it's a reason for that. Because the majority of the blame that you try to place on somebody else, it's on you. Like when you want to blame God, how can you blame God when you're not trusting him? I'm not doing what he tells me to do. I'm doing my own thing. I'm doing what I think will work. And he's saying to himself, okay. So when the trouble comes and you and you suffer your consequences, you know, you ever heard people say you wanna you wanna hear God laugh? Tell them your plans. And and that's what we do. We wanna go through with our plans, and when they don't work, then we wanna say, God, where were you when I was down on my luck? Where were you when my bank account was uh at zero? and overdrawn. I was right there watching you be frivolous with your money. I was right there watching you not pay your debts. And that's what we do. We, we're, we're prone to that. And, and I include myself in that. And so in all that, Job never blamed God in all of his trials. And that's what it comes down to. You cannot blame God for anything that you go through. You've got to be honest with yourself. Every decision you make, are you checking in with God or are you doing your own thing until it becomes too hard? Then you decide, okay, I'll let God help now because I done made too much of a mess. At first, oh, I got this, I'm good. Then when it gets too hard, then you want God to help. And I'm going to end this episode with this, this segment with this. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 14 says, But even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, you are blessed. And do not be afraid of your threats, nor be troubled. Be sanctified to Lord God in your hearts. And always be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks you a reason for the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. I hope and I trust in God because I know that he knows me. I know that he's not going to put on me more than I can bear. And I know that he loves me. I know that he loves me. So guys, keep that in mind when you're ready to blame somebody for your trials and tribulations. Be Keep that in mind when you're ready to think about, I mean, when you're ready to say that you didn't do anything wrong and you, you don't deserve this. Guys, thank you for sticking around. This is the segment where I get candid and I am talking about some current events. I don't give my opinion on it, but I just want to give a different type of perspective. Where I tell you, wake up world. We live in a society where we think we're woke. Everybody thinks they're woke. Everybody believes they're woke. So, 
I'm telling you to really wake up, world. And let's talk about something that, you know, is a, a major topic with, with women and men, especially in our society. Um, the pain of the pain that cheating cause, causes. Um, I've asked several people this question, and I've always hoped that someone could give an actual answer. And I don't think it's something that we should uh, ask the question about really now that I think about it, because it's not something that we need to really understand, because it's something that shouldn't be done. Um, I've always asked, why do men cheat or whatever? Why do people cheat? Because women cheat more and more nowadays. Uh, why are people not faithful? You know, why do people get into relationships and they're not faithful? Uh, they could be together 20 years and they may just decide to help. After 20 years, you have a weak, weak, weak moment. And I don't think it's something we should have to understand. It's a, it's a painful thing. And it causes so much pain uh, when it's uh, brought out and and brought to light. Why do people cheat? Why do you not want to be faithful? And what made me ask this question uh, in this segment and what made me bring this out is I was looking at one of my news apps on my phone. Where I came across the story of Beyonce and her half-brother. The article spoke on the fact that Beyonce's half-brother wants to know why she doesn't love him. Now, the thing is, that young man has no control over how he got here. Uh, Beyonce's dad cheated on her mother. And out of that infidelity, a child was born. Now, is that about trying to understand Beyonce's now, this is not about trying to understand Beyonce's reason for not connecting with her half-sibling. I'm not even going to attack the mother of the half-sibling. I want to make two points. My first point is, your secret sins affects more than you. They affect more than you. We think that what we do, you know, doesn't affect anyone. We feel like this is me. Uh, I'm not hurting you, but you are. You, you really are. You don't understand. It's, it's like, uh, That situation is just one of many things that can come out of infidelity. And you're you're trying to hide what you're doing. And when it comes to the light, it's so much pain caused to so many people. Uh, Think about a lot of pa- a lot of these mega church pastors that have, that have been exposed uh, for their transgressions, and 
you look at it and you say, just get rid of that, that preacher and, and move on. But look at the effects. That man or that woman, so to speak, they say, because now you have a lot of women preachers, but they're not being exposed like for things like that. But for the most part, that man is preaching to a group of people that follow him, that trust him. And that's why God says, don't put your trust in flesh and blood. Don't put your trust in man. Because they will disappoint. It's, 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 it's a real thing. Because you're disappointed in that man because you believe because he's up there preaching from the word of God. See, if you got that much respect for him because he's preaching from, from the word of God, then you need to understand your real, respects and res, real respect and reverence is really for the word of God. What do you mean, Nikki? Okay, if you did not respect the word of God, what that person is really saying probably would not, it'll probably affect you if he's saying something motivational and good. But when he makes a mistake, you will probably be like able to say, okay, he's human. And, and no one is perfect. No one is good. Jesus said that no one is good but God. So when we look at him and we're so hurt by what he did, it's because we, we, we forgot who we're supposed to be trusting in. You gave him so much reverence and respect, not because of him, but because he was preaching from what is the word of God. So when you put when you put your trust in proper perspective, men are gonna make mistakes. They're men. They're human. Not saying that they should be able to make a mistake and you be okay. No. But it affects the whole congregation. <clears throat> so let's look at the the, the Matthew Knowles situation. You have a child out of that infidelity. And that child now is saying, why doesn't my half-sister sister love me? And I know a lot of people probably, oh, they just trying to get publicity. They may be. I'm not going to talk about that. But my thing is, your secret sins affect more than when you when you're doing something wrong you need to think about it because when it's exposed you're affecting everybody now you have a 13 year old child saying why doesn't my half sister love me and I know what we're looking we're looking at all the things that anybody would look at but I'm looking at the fact that the root cause of this is Matthew knows and Tina knows and the relationship that they had and the fact that he decided to break their bond, to break their vows. 
what what happened? What made him do that? And then out of that comes a child who now is seeking understanding for what did I do? And he's innocent. Now let's look in this, look at a story in the Bible. Second uh, Samuel chapter 11. Now, basically, this is the story of David and Bathsheba. And uh, I know my Bible, my Christian Bible thumpers, they know this story. And it's it's a it's a horrible story to look at. Uh, David decided to cheat with one of his servants' wives. Now, when he cheated, he tried to cover it up by saying and telling his servant, "Go home to your wife." Now, his servant was committed to the service that he was rendering to David. And he was like, we're about to go to war. How can I take time to go home and sleep with my wife? David wanted him to go home and sleep with his wife. So when she, when he finds out she's pregnant, you know, he believed that it's his. Never knowing that David had lied, had slept with her. And that was his plan. That was his plan. Now, when Uriah stayed committed to his service, man, you could get so much out of this story. When he stayed committed to his service, not only to God, not only to David, but to God, and, and, and the people that he was with, when he stayed committed to this service, now you can look at it like, okay, Uriah, you're neglecting your wife for this. And that's how he was able, David was able to come in and do what he did. Now, the meat of the story is, when Uriah didn't do what David wanted him to, to do, David set him up to be killed. See what your secret sins will do and how they affect other people? Like, you may think you drinking doesn't hurt, any, doesn't hurt anybody but you. But it hurts your family because either you, you're going to be sick, uh, they're going to have to see you uh, throwing up, you may drink so much that you end up with a liver disease, uh, you you may drink so much that you that's the time you beat your wife or you 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 beat your kids so your seek your sins they affect other people but mostly your secret sins you see he tried to cover that up we think we're doing so many things and and it's because it's unbeknownst to people don't realize that God sees us and how he will expose us we would never know 
Somebody may be popping pills secretly. Nobody may never know that they're, they're popping pills daily. Okay, you find them dead in their apartment. And you, you, the last time you saw them, they looked healthy and happy, but you never knew that they were, you, they were popping pills. You never knew it. Now you've lost a loved one or a friend because they're hurting in secret and they're harming themselves in secret thinking, I'm just harming me. Now David put Uriah on the front line. Uriah was killed. Bathsheba became his wife. But then guess what happens? Let's look at God and how he, how he does, how he works, how he moves. Now Nathan, now Nathan, it says, Then the Lord sent Nathan to David, and he came to him and said to him, So Nathan came to him and told him a story. And David got incensed about what, you know, the scenario that Nathan gave him. But then at the end, Nathan said, that man is you. That very thing that upset you and said that person should be put to death, you're doing that very thing. And I'm a firm believer in, you know, when we see people doing things, I don't believe that it's important for us to focus in on other people's sins or wrong because when we get so mad about what somebody else is doing God is revealing us to ourselves see that's your secret sin that you think you know like if you say hey you two-faced okay and you get so mad you say I hate two-faced people you really looking at yourself because to be honest, a lot of times you do exactly what you claim to hate. See, God wants to reveal us to us. He doesn't want to reveal what's wrong with other people to us. That's why he can tell you turn the other cheek because it's not about them, it's about you. Whatever they do should not affect what you do if you are about serving the Lord. See, your secret sins will affect other people. <clears throat> they will because what you do in the dark will come to the light no matter how it comes to the light it will come to the light. And when it comes to the light, so many people are going to be affected. Now, the thing, the second point that I want to look at is, what do you do when your secret is exposed? Now, if you look at Matthew Knowles, he probably was trying to do damage control because in that process, because I was reading the article, 
and it and it spoke of uh once Beyonce found out that's when she um <clears throat> looked into his financials and started to uh basically you know I'm, I'm I'm assuming the money that he was making because he was our manager she looked into you know stopping all that you know and then she fired him as our manager now he was mostly trying to run scratch and scrounge do damage control denied the child uh basically started to <clears throat> mistreat her um What we should do when our sins are exposed is return to God and ask for his forgiveness. Because when we sin, we're sinning against God. Yeah, we hurt people, but we're sinning against God. And we owe him an apology, and an apology. We owe him an apology. That's who we owe an apology to, really, to start with. Because we're sinning against him. Yeah, Uriah got killed. Because David set that in motion. But it was because his heart towards God was not where it needed to be. It was more about I wanted Beersheba, but then I wanted to cover up what I did with her by making sure that if anything came up, no one would ever know that I touched her. See, a lot of men and women, they, you know, we cheat and we we carry on affairs and we do things like that when we're married. And then the exposed sin comes out and we're trying to focus more on doing damage control. We want our spouse to believe I love you. And I didn't, it just happened. And, and I, didn't, I didn't know what to do. And when I got in it, no. You have sinned against God. And you need to ask him for forgiveness. And then let him clean up your, your clean you up. And then you ask for forgiveness from your spouse. And you you and your spouse see, try to work through that pain. See, Tina and Matthew got divorced. Tina got remarried. Now, that's, a, that's another thing that I could talk about, but I'm not going to get into that because it's not what I'm, I'm talking about right now. But our secret sins and what to do when they're exposed. You got to return to God because let me show you what David did. 
when Nathan exposed him. When Nathan exposed him, this is what David did. It says, David, now in chapter 12, starting at verse 16, David said, Therefore, David pleaded with God for the child, and David fasted and went in and laid all night on the ground. So the elders of his house arose and went to him to rise him, to raise him up from the ground, but he would not, nor did he eat food with them. Then on the seventh day it came to pass that the child died. And the servants of David were afraid to tell him that the child was dead. For they said, Indeed, while the child was alive, we spoke to him, and he would not heed our voice. Now can we tell him that the child is dead? He may do some harm. When David saw that his servants were whispering, David perceived that the child was dead. Therefore David said to his servants, Is the child dead? And they said, He is dead. So David arose from the ground, washed and anointed himself. Now, you probably say, why did he arise from his, 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 his pain and his grief after the child died? And that's strange. That's strange that that's when he rose up, clamped himself up, and got back on track. That was him humbling himself. Because he knew no matter what, he couldn't stop the child from being taken away because of his sin. So when our secret sins are exposed, we got to humble ourselves. We have to pretty much sit in that, deal with that, and let God deal with us. See, we we're, in our human nature, we don't allow God to deal with us when we're in our mess. You know, we think we can clean ourselves up. See, he didn't want to try to clean himself up and 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 be okay while that child was still alive because he knew why that child was being taken away do you see how god dealt so instantly with sin and we sin now and god doesn't nearly deal with us the way that he dealt with them in the old testament that's how you know his grace is sufficient so when your sins are exposed, sit in them. Let God truly deal with you. Let God truly deal with you. So guys, 
I hope that you enjoyed this episode. I pray that it blessed you the way it has blessed me. Um, Stay tuned at the end of this episode. I got a special message for my listeners. Um, Let's reprogram our thinking. Let's get back to God. Let's recover the life that the devil tries to take from us each and every day. And most of all, remember this. God may not be there when you want him, but he'll be there in the nick of time. Peace, guys, and I love you. What's up, guys? I got a special message for my listeners. Um, What has God done for me lately? I know that those of you that listen to my podcast may say that she is always talking about God. You might also say she's always telling us what we should be doing. But why should we listen to her? Well, I want to let you know that my life is not all peaches and cream. That's the first thing. I have been through some things in my life. I have the scars to prove it. But my scars are medals to remind me of what God has brought me through. I want to share special content with my listeners, so I will be dropping content now on Mondays. Uh, you can check it out. I I will try to start to put that together, probably in the middle uh, part of August. But <clears throat> I just want my listeners to stay tuned because I'm gonna start also dropping content on Mondays where I become open and candid about what God is doing in my life because I want to help you understand that anything that we go through, God has our back. Peace. I'm out and I love you guys.